the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Welcome to Big Bets on Campus. This is the Group of Five Deep Dive. I am your host, Mike Calvaries. I am joined by my wingman, the Bailey Zappi, to my Matt Ariza. Of course, I'm talking about Mike Ionello. And we have another special guest. He puts the woo in Pig Suey. That is Colin Wilson of Action Network fame. Guys, how you doing? Good, good. Well, glad to be back. I'm not in as cool a location as Colin, but I'm happy to be happy to be here. <laughs> Guys, I'm happy to be here on the Sun Belt. This is uh, one of my favorite conferences in the G5, and you guys do a great job, so hopefully I can help out. But, you know, I thought the highlight of my day was going to be razzing Brett Bielema up on the podium here at Big Ten Media Days. Turns out, talking about James Madison, Old Dominion, a little bit of Sun Fun Belt action here is going to be the highlight of my day. Don't let the ladies come between you and the belt. Yeah, going ahead, getting into the the realignments, you know, nonsense that's really kind of not allowed any of us to get a moment's rest, you know, during the offseason with all the major powers moving around. The Sun Belt is just fortifying the southern region of the United States, you know, adding Old Dominion, adding James Madison, Southern Miss, and then Marshall, who's kind of been, you know, the thundering herd have been looking for a home, wandering the landscape for years from the MAC to Conference USA. Now in the Sun Belt, kind of rekindling some old FCS rivalries, a very exciting time to be following the belt. So what we're going to do is we're going to jump right in. We're going to go east and west. The east has been as dominant as really the Big Ten East, you know, to bring it back to Collins' current location. So we're going to start there. We're going to start with Appalachian State. I'm going to run you through each team here in the east, their odds to win the Sun Belt as well as their win total. So Appalachian State, 5-2 to two to win the whole thing. Nine wins set as their over-under for wins for the season. S&P Plus has them projected as the 51st best offense, 66th best defense, and there's a lot to like about them. A veteran returning backfield, offensive line is in good shape, new weapons on the perimeter. They do lose to Marco Jackson and Sean Jolly from a very good defense, but they have a lot of talent on that side of the wall. Sean Clark has built them into a consistent winning program, 20-7 and seven across the last three years. And what I love about this team in particular, it starts with North Carolina at Kid Brewer, to have an opportunity to play a Power 5 program and to kick your season off right before traveling to Kyle Field and work week two against AM, win either of those games and the sky is the limit for Appalachian State. Let's start there quickly. What are your thoughts on the Nears this year, INLO? Yeah, like you said, I think they lose those pieces on defense, but you know they're going to run through, run through Cameron Peoples and Nate Noel again. I think with those two back, I expect the offense to be very similar. Chase Bryce is a veteran. We had a lot of uncertainty with him last year, but he kind of cleaned up the turnover issues he had at uh, Duke. Like you said, I think, you know, that schedule is going to be the biggest issue is the UNC Texas A&M is a tough start, but they're App State. I, you know, I think you can almost pencil them in for the Sunbelt Championship every year. Um, we'll kind of get into it, you know, a little sneak preview just to touch on what Colin, where Colin is right now. I'm getting some Big Ten vibes from the Sunbelt this year because the, the Sunbelt East 
is a wagon. And then the Sunbelt West is like Louisiana is just going to be the Wisconsin and just walk. I think, I think you can make an argument. App State, Coastal, Georgia State, Marshall are all better than Louisiana. I'll go ahead and jump in on App State. I mean, there I had a problem with the Chase Bryce transfer when he first came in, and my issue with that was that he didn't have mobile legs. The Zach Thomas setup, no matter if it was Eli Drinkwitz, uh, it, it doesn't matter who the head coach has been there for, for, for the recent years, even with Sean Clark taking over, they weren't going to change who they were on offense, but that included a lot of Zach Thomas running the ball all over the field. We were shown last year that Chase Bryce is not a mobile quarterback. He is not near as nimble out outside the tackles. And I think you saw some of those struggles last year. This year, we talk about them losing pieces on defense. Just 36% uh, uh, comes back to a, a unit that was 12th uh, in success rate and 22nd in finishing drives. But they're going to have to lean on cornerback Stephen Jones, on linebacker uh, Nick Hampton uh, to really get things done here. And, uh, you know, kind of echo what you guys were saying. This East division is that, I mean, that's where the action is going to be this year. There are some loaded teams. And from a scheduling perspective with App State, there's no Louisiana from the other side. Uh, you know, they have Southern Miss from the West. I don't think that's going to be an easy game. They play Troy after they play Texas A&M. What's the health of App State going to be after that? And then at Marshall and at Coastal to decide the East, it, I think this is more challenging than just saying, uh, you know, I think App State's going to be in the, in the championship game. So we'll see. Yeah, gun to my head, I, I think the number's spot on at nine. I don't really see value. If I were to play it, I'd probably go under just based on how strong the East is and drawing every single team out, out of that portion. Um, transitioning to coastal, you know, they're plus 350 to win the belts, eight wins as they're over under. You look at the last two years with Grace McCall leading the way, 22 and three as a starter. And I loved what he did in the offseason. He he didn't mess around, didn't flirt with the draft all that much, much puts out that graphic design presentation card, says, I pissed teal. I'm coming back to Conway. Unfortunately, coming back to Conway is a little bit like that Fresh Prince of Bel-Air gif where the Fresh Prince is in his living room and no one else is there because they lose so much from a team that the nation really got familiar with over the last two seasons. But McCall is good enough that you have to imagine that he's going to be able to elevate a lot of new playmakers around him. Highest rated passer nationally last year, runs a very complex offense. I think we made the joke before, if you've ever played Madden or NCA, there's those options to do the global playbook. There's triple option elements. There's spread elements. He's sometimes under center. They do so much, and he makes it all go that it's still a very difficult offense to prepare for. He also led the nation in ESPN's raw QBR. So with so much to like about him, 53 passing touchdowns and just six picks across the last two years, that seems like a typo. It's incredible. But if, if I'm being honest, the plus 350 is not enticing. When you look at the S&P Plus, they are a top 25 offense, ranked 23rd by Bill Conley nationally, but 109th on the defensive side of the ball. I realize that a lot of that has to do with the, the new faces and new places, but this should be a staff continuity-wise. It's the same coordinators. It's the same head coach. What are your thoughts? I'll go to you first, Colin, on Coastal replacing so many key positions and playmakers that have been there and reliable in the last two years. Yeah, with Coastal Carolina, a team that has made uh, Action Network uh, all of us, a lot of money and we, and we love them so much. And Grayson McCall coming back and not hitting the portal was actually a little bit shocking to me because knowing that they were just going to return less than 60% on offense and only 47% from a tarp perspective on defense. Um, you know, I, I was a little surprised that he came back. Now, I think the one thing I should say about that, I don't even know what we're naming in Calabrese. I mean, we go into Madden, we pick our offenses. Is it diamond, triple option, and space, speed, space? I don't know what we're calling the offense, but he runs it perfectly to a T. And the biggest indicator about teams that cover the spread 
is finishing drives because coordinators no longer care about what's happening at the 40 and the 50 yard line. They just want to firm up when opponents get close. Coastal Carolina, number one in the nation last year in offensive finishing drives. There's a flip side to that 93rd in defensive finishing drive. So it's, you know, is one of those, are either of those going to regress and come back to the pack? I know if you read Phil Steele, you'll see like maybe seven returning starters and, 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 you know, they, they surely have lost a lot for a complex system, but, you know, Jamie Chadwell is, is still the head coach. Grayson McCall is still there from a scheduling perspective. I don't like Coastal just for this reason alone. You're going to play App State five days after you play Marshall, and then you're going to play Southern Miss at home after that. That is a brutal stretch of not even within just a couple of weeks. Uh, that schedule tells me – I know Louisiana is not coming over from the West, but that little stretch is really tough for a Coastal team to get through. So definitely probably not my pick to get through on the East. I'll just hop in here quickly. I love that Colin keeps peppering in Southern Miss because when it comes to betting the Sun Belt, I really like the the teams that appear to be the dregs, the teams that people are looking, you know, the average gambler is looking at their 2021 record and saying, I'm absolutely auto fading this team. I think there's a lot of tricky teams that are now healthy. Some had scholarship issues. They're, they're finally up to, to full strength this season. So we'll get into that a little bit later. I know. Do you have a play either way on, on the shots here? No, I'm with you guys. I'm off on them, both from a win total and a futures perspective. I know, obviously, McCall's the story. I, I think I'd, it'd be hard to argue that he's not the best player in the group of five, um, but he's going to have to do it alone. He lost, you know, his running back, his, all of his receivers. Their defense, you know, depending on where you look, returns two starters. Granted, those two are nasty with, you know, Jordan Strong and Josiah Stewart was a freak last year, but their schedule, their non-con is easy, so that kind of helps them at least ease some guys into playing time. But I love so many teams from this division this year, and to me, Coastal's just—I think they take a step back. I don't think they'll be—you know—they were eleven and two last year. They lost to uh, App State and Georgia State, who I think both are probably better, if not equal. And I think Coastal takes a step back, so I'm I'm staying away from them from pretty much any betting perspective. We started at the top talking about some of the newbies here in the Sun Belt. We now get to Marshall. They're plus 450 to win the Sun Belt. Seven and a half wins is their over-under. You got to pay a little extra juice, minus 120 if you want to go over there. Pretty balanced, according to Bill Conley, 62nd in projected offensive efficiency, 64th on the defensive side of the ball. What we know for sure, they have an amazing backfield. Rasheen Ali is an incredible workhorse, but now they bring in um, Kalan Laybourne from Florida State, a transfer, who, if he's finally healthy, Talk about a change of pace that could really be a difference maker for Marshall. They still have great perimeter weapons. Henry Columbi coming in as a transfer. Can he be the Marshall's Marshall's version of Chase Bryce? Could he even be better than that? Because honestly, you know, they're probably banking on some better balance offensively. Clint Trickett coming in as the passing game coordinator. It would seem as though maybe they can adjust by, let's say, 5 to 10% that run pass balance. If they do that, is Marshall good enough to upset the the cart here, take a lot of the established players in the East and end up in the conference, you know, the Sunbelt championship game? I think that they can. And this is the first number that finally grabbed me a little bit. I'm interested if you shop around, you can get even better in terms of value, close to five to one. So if you can get five to one, I would recommend snapping that up. Colin, where are you on the Thundering Herd? I, I am pro Thundering Herd. I love Charles Huff as our head coach. Uh, this is a team that, you know, uh, you would expect regression last year with him coming in as head coach. They finished top 35 in success rate, finishing drives, and they were 22nd Havoc allowed. And why is Havoc allowed important? Because that means your offensive line is keeping guys off of your quarterback 
and it means that they're not fumbling the ball. If you're going to make wagers, you're going to want to put it on offenses that you can trust, not to, you know, chuck the ball around the, and drop it on the carpet. You want to avoid the big boys in the crossover schedule. You know, they host Mar- uh, Coastal on homecoming. That's a really big game. That Never underestimate how bit much Marshall is going to show up on homecoming. Three consecutive road games in September with Notre Dame, Bowling Green and Troy, and I'm not going to go on a rant about how Bowling Green's better. They are. But, you know, three consecutive road games is going to have these guys battle tested. I like their win total over. They can reproduce what they did in a conference last year that I think had better competition than what they're going to face this year. I certainly agree. I, I think I was even talked into just in terms of that explanation, maybe putting a little bit more weight behind the win total as opposed to the four and a half, five to one on the Conference USA Championship. I love Marshall. I love their win total over seven. DraftKings had Marshall plus 550 to win the Sun Belt. I love that value. I think Marshall is absolutely a competitor in this new Sun Belt. You know, we talked about, you talked about Henry Columbia coming over. That might be an upgrade over Grant Wells. He was such a stud his freshman year and he was so frustratingly bad last year. 13 interceptions, just 16 picks. He kind of had this, you know, chuck it around blindly. And you mentioned Rasheen Ali, when you have you know, he led the country in touchdowns. Give him the ball every play. Charles Huff, obviously terrific running backs coach, Penn State, you know, Barkley, Sanders. Then went over to Alabama, Najee Harris. You give Rasheen Ali the ball as much as possible. When they do throw it, Corey Gamage is back. That's huge. D- defensively, they were really good against the pass last year. They bring back Stephen Gilmore, who's an all-conference USA cornerback. And their biggest weakness last year was they were horrific against the run. I know we talked about this and we did our G5 New Year 6 draft. I took Marshall in that. And one of the biggest reasons I liked them to improve that was Charles Huff went out and brought in Quinn Williams from Miami, Isaiah Gibson from Kentucky, and Anthony Watts from Purdue. All are over 300 pounds. He's like, hey, we got torch against the run. Let's get these power five beefcakes, throw them in the middle, let Gilmore roam the back end. Colin mentioned the non-con. They, they do draw Louisiana, but they get Louisiana, App State, Coastal, all at home. And coming into a new conference, you know, that, that injects some life into the fan base. Marshall always has a great fan base. I'm all in on Marshall, so I'm taking them plus 550 to win the Sun Belt. All right, we've kind of discussed, quote unquote, the, you know, the three leaders, maybe the cream of the crop. Maybe we could extend it to this next team. Georgia State, 10-1 to 1 to win the conference, 6.5 as their win total for the season, minus 120 to the over. 78th in projected offensive efficiency, 68th on defense. Listen, this is the little program that could. They won seven of eight down the stretch last season. They murdered Ball State in the bowl game. Sean Elliott has sent the Panthers to three straight bowl games and was six and two in the Sun Belt last year. So I understand that, you know, just their geography, where they are in the Sun Belt hurts them. But when you look at what they accomplished last season, what they bring back, Darren Granger in particular, the Furman transfer was a really nice dual threat who took care of the football last season. I, this is a team I'm pulling for. And certainly if I'm going to be holding futures tickets on either Marshall or app state, you know, ahead of them, this is a team that scares me. Where do you come down on what Elliot has been able to build in Atlanta? And I'm, I'm actually, uh, Colin, I'd be interested in your perspective here. I'm surprised that Georgia state's been able to retain his services. Yeah. I don't know how he hasn't been uh, taken and moving up, but maybe the right position hasn't come in. There are a couple of coaches that are still in G five and I still wonder why they're still there. Uh, Hopefully a few more of these media day trips. I'll figure out why they're still in the same place. Georgia State is my most favorite win total to the over of any team in this division. Uh, They return 83% on the offensive side of the ball, 80% on the defensive side of the ball. I mentioned the most important things when it comes to covering a spread, and that is finishing drives. 
Uh, Georgia State, 14th in the nation of getting it in the end zone once their drives went past the 40-yard line on defense, top 40 in every category. Havoc, finishing drive, success rate. So we have all the numbers there. We're returning all the players here, but let's go take a look at the schedule. Holy cow. Uh, no Louisiana in crossplay. No Troy in crossplay. No South Alabama in crossplay. Now, the reason I'm not taking a division or conference future on these guys is because we have games at Southern Miss, at Marshall, uh, and, and, you know, and at App, at App State. And that's just really tough. You're going to win the Sun Belt. You're going to have to win all of the toughest games on your schedule on the road. I think this is a much – this is my favorite win total to go over, but not so much from taking a division or conference futures perspective. Anella, where are you on the Panthers here? Could not agree with Colin Moore. And I am going to be – me and Colin are going to be praying we get Duke Trace Bryce again because I hate that they're in the same division. I love Georgia State. I love Darren Granger. They went 8-2 and two once he took over as quarterback from Quad Brown. And, you know, they bring back their two stud bell cow running backs, Tucker Gregg and Jamius Williams. Jamius Williams was a cornerback. It's, he was all freshman SEC at South, uh, South Carolina. Now he's their running back. Each of them had over 850 yards. Both of them scored nine touchdowns on the ground. They do lose uh, OC Brad, uh, Brad Glenn to Virginia Tech, but they just elevated Trent McKnight, who was their wide receivers coach. So he has familiarity with the team. I don't think it'll drop off. They're not changing the offense, not doing anything like that. Their defense was good last year. Brings back a ton. Antavius Lane is awesome uh, as their safety. And, and like Colin said, I think the schedule kind of breaks nice for them. They do start out with South Carolina and North Carolina, so that's kind of, you know, not the best. They might start 0-2. But I'm all in on Georgia State, and I might just throw futures on Georgia State and Marshall and just hope to God App State sucks. Like I said, I'm already kind of down on Coastal anyway. So we need we need Duke Chase Bryce, and then I'll just cross my fingers on the Georgia State-Marshall game and hopefully the winner of that wins the conference. I'm glad you mentioned the South Carolina, North Carolina two-step there to begin the season. Cause as a gambler, I'm praying that they lose both of those games so that, you know, John Q public says, well, Georgia state's a middling Sunbelt team. They stink. I'm going to write them off for the rest of the year. Maybe get a few extra points baked into some point spreads because people just, you know, are trying to bail themselves out by betting against quote unquote bad teams. Um, so that'll, yeah, that'll help that September 22nd, they're home again. They host coastal. And that'll be a pretty sizable bet on the Panthers. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. Let's turn now to Old Dominion, a team that uh, Ionello was close to his heart. They walk in here 50 to one to win the Sun Belt. Four and a half. I was a little bit surprised. I thought it was a little bit low. I think that was over at Bet MGM, uh, minus 120 to the over. Identical 93rd in terms of uh, projected efficiency on both sides of the ball. And listen, last year kind of played out exactly as we anticipated. They had a COVID year where they sat out. They get off to a slow start, but then just kind of out of nowhere, they win five in a row to make a bowl game. Caden Wolf, Blake Watson, Zach Koontz, like they have a lot of firepower. But I think it's interesting for two reasons. One, is Wolf even the right guy in this offense? Because Brendan Clark, the Notre Dame transfer, he's a dual threat guy. There hasn't been a whole lot of buzz that he's going to seal this job away. But why would you stick with Wolf, who really struggled in that bowl game against Tulsa, when the ceiling could be so much higher with Clark, particularly because of the way this schedule sets up? Talk about a rough start. They're going local. They're playing at home against Virginia Tech, at ECU, at Virginia. That could be a recipe to feed Wolf into the, into the, the wood chipper and then make a switch and go with Clark. Another team where if they start off really slow and they have some issues, I'm going to try to tuck away in my back pocket. What are your thoughts on where the program sits now? I'll start with you, Ionello, because this is a team that you rode during that winning streak and you were really kind of singing the praises of Ricky Ronnie as a former Penn State coach. 
What are your thoughts on the Monarchs here? Shut up, Breeze. Of course, Hayden Wolf's the guy. We will not accept Hayden Wolf Slater. Um, the amount of money that dude made us last year, you're going to, not even week one, you're already talking crap. Watch your mouth. Hayden Wolf, <laughs> five, five and one as a starter when he took over for DJ Mack, who was trash. Obviously, yeah, they got smoked in the bowl game, but Blake Watson is a monster. And he's another one where, like, he really didn't get going until Wolf took over. You look at his numbers at the beginning of the year, he was, you know, not really, I think he started like 150 yards in like the first three games as Wolf as a starter. Ali Jennings is back. Zach Koontz is back. Their uh, offensive line returns four starters. Um, they do have a new offensive coordinator. And I was reading a little, um, I was doing the, the Colin Wilson listening to the, uh, the, the beat writer stuff. Uh, he's really wants to run up tempo, really push the pace on offense. So I think this offense is going to be very fun, very exciting. You know I love Old Dominion. They're one of those teams where I'll probably bet a lot. I don't – their schedule is hard. I don't know that I love the win total um, or any futures. I know Colin might. Um, but their schedule is hard, but they're definitely a team where I'm going to be, you know, give me Ricky – Ricky oh, that, that Virginia Tech game, a little Penn State offensive coordinator face-off. Like, I think I'm taking the points with Ricky Ronnie there. You got you know East Carolina. We still don't know what they end up. Virginia, I'm definitely taking Old Dominion. So they're a team I'll probably bet a lot week to week, like we did last year, especially if they're getting points against some of those bigger, comp, uh, bigger Power Five schools. I, I'm hoping Colin talks me into a win total or a future bet, but for <laughs> now I don't have any action. But you know I love Old Dominion, love Ricky Ronnie, and this is a pro Hayden Wolf podcast, despite the start to the segment. Well, you hear Calabrese say that the number to win the Sun Belt is 50 to 1 and the division is 25 to 1. That's because it used to be 60 to 1 and it used to be 35 to 1. And until I hit it last night, uh, this is a team that is, I am picking to win the East at the very, at the very least. Uh, I didn't mean to rhyme there, but, uh, you know, if you're going to take someone to take the Sun Belt East, I think a 25 to 1 bet on Old Dominion is probably some of the best value you can find in any division of any of any conference of, of college football. And the reason is because this is a team that returns 91% of their offense. And, and by the way, can we just say they did not play in 2020, right? I mean, as a brand new coach, look what they did last year. They won. They finally figured it out, won their final five games, two or three of them as underdogs. They won those games. And I don't fault them for losing to Tulsa. Anytime you go up against a Joseph Gillespie called defensive, you know, defensive set, good luck. I'm not surprised that they didn't score that many points and I don't really hold it against them, but when you look at what these guys return, all the offense that you guys mentioned, I said 91%. On defense, they return, I think, the best safety in all of the Sun Belt and Artarium Johnson. Uh, and when you get past that and you look at the schedule, I know you mentioned a lot of tough games non-conference. So immediately, I'm just going to write off win totals. Don't want to play the win total, not interested in it. But what can they do inside the Sun Belt? And they don't play Louisiana or Troy or Southern Miss from the other side. Those are huge bumps. And then when you look at the rest of the schedule, they start with Arkansas State, probably the worst team in the nation. Maybe next New Mexico is, but Arkansas State's a dumpster fire. Um, you know, horrible. Uh, horrible. And they're playing a depleted coastal off of a bye week. Huge bump there. And obviously at Georgia State and at App State, that's an issue. But with these odds at 25 to 1 to win the division and at 50 to 1 to win the conference, there is plenty of room for you to go back and cover up your 10, 100, $500 bets. By the way, they won't let you lay $500 bets. Uh, you can cover up that initial buy-in you have on the division and the conference in both games if you want. And maybe if tiebreakers work out, maybe Old Dominion is playing in that Sun Belt Championship. That number is ridiculously too high 
go and get some futures on them to win the division or the, you know, if you want to worry about the championship game against any of these teams in the West that we're looking at, fine. Uh, but I think 25 to one for the division is probably the juiciest number out there from any conference right now. And just to clarify, are you a member of the Wolfpack or are you leaning lucky Irish <laughs> and hoping that they go with the vastly more athletically talented backup quarterback? Uh, I, I am a member of the Hayden Wolf Wolfpack. Uh, I do have a red-colored NWO shirt, so when I join you guys this year on some podcasts, I will bring that on, on set. All right, so that's settled. I, I think you, you certainly talked me into a flyer on Old Dominion. It was a team I bet a lot. You know, I'm, I'm hopeful. You know, in some cases, the backup quarterback's the most popular guy on campus. In my household, Brendan Clark will be as well. All right, transitioning to Georgia Southern, 100-1 to one to win the belt. Four wins for their win total, 111th offensive projected efficiency, 105th on defense. Welcome to the party, Clay Helton. You only returned nine starters. You got a new offensive system. You bring in someone that I wasn't even sure. I, I, if you told me that Kyle Van Treese exhausted his eligibility in 2019, I would have believed you. But here he is as a super, super senior to run this offense. Not interested in this team. This team is one that I'm going to fade. And honestly, it's it's pretty easy for me to do because I know the bias isn't there. Georgia Southern, when they were running their version of the option offense all those years, I loved them. I, I remember the Adrian Peterson days, not that one, the other one way back in the day when they were crushing it at the FCS level. I loved what they were doing. It's a program that I have a soft spot for in Statesboro. They have been, they've laid plenty of bear traps here in the Sun Belt over the years, kind of ruining teams' dream runs and playing spoiler, but not this year. I, I, I am not in on this transition. I think it's going to be a rocky one. Somebody has to lose a lot of games in the East. I think it's Georgia Southern. What do you guys think? I don't think there's a team in the country that I like feel like I know less about than Georgia Southern. I don't think I've ever bet on a Georgia Southern game in my entire life. I was saying that as I was writing it up. They're just one of those teams that I'm like, I don't care. I've just, I'm in trees. He's been at Buffalo for, I'm pretty sure he played with Khalil Mack at Buffalo. And to your point, like, who knows? They're, they're, to, they're going from triple option to spread style. You know, they're changing their defense. They're, I don't know. I don't care about this team. I'm not betting anything involving them ever. So, Colin, you can go. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, Vantries, he did have some extremely, you know, some of the best weapons in the MAC. So how much of those numbers that he posted up there were because of him? I mean, he, he played decent uh, ball for Buffalo, but uh, he had the best weapons in the conference. So that certainly helps out a lot. He doesn't have this here. I don't believe one single player will be listed for the Sun Belt preseason, you know, All-American, whatever team it is they put out. None in the two depth. And so Clay Helton comes in, a guy that hates to cover spreads. Uh, he hates to make us money. So, it, you know, you want to fade him right off the bat. Uh, there's going to be a scheme change going on on both sides of the ball. And you say, well, you know, maybe it won't be so bad. Well, uh, the offense returned 71% of the players that they had last year from an experience perspective. And those guys are triple option based, right? Shy Wirtz is gone. But I mean, still, this has been triple option forever here. I think before I was born, they were running the triple. Uh, and, and so it's a scheme change for 71% of this roster. And they finished in the bottom five in success rate and finishing drives last year. So that might get worse uh, from a defensive side. They returned less than 50%. Uh, they finished almost outside the top 100 in success rate. So I don't expect any improvement there. And then when you look at, you know, their schedule, uh, they draw ULL and South Bama from the West at Nebraska at UAB. And then three, and I think this is really key. Three of their first four games in Sunbelt are on the road. So what is the status and the health of this team once they get to November, right? Because everybody's beat up. 
But when you look at the number of teams that they play and you consider they're switching schemes, I, I think you almost blindly have to take an under on this team if you're looking for a bet. Uh, it's a number that I make at 4.6. I feel like that's way too high. Uh, they, I'm in line. It's in line with the market. I don't want anything to do with this team, but the only play on them is the under. All right, let's transition to a team that is fun to talk about. You know, they can't win the Sun Belt this year, but they have six wins set as their win total. And all of the preseason projections, when you go from FCS to FBS numbers, I kind of throw them out. The fact that the S&P Plus has James Madison as the 95th best offense, 104th best defense. Listen, this was as dominant an FCS program as there is nationally, other than North Dakota State, which is constantly a thorn in their side. They went 33-5 and five across the last three seasons. Their big problem is losing Cole Johnson. 41 TDs, four picks last year. They bring in the transfer from Colorado State to try to run this offense. But at the end of the day, it's still Mike Shanahan as the OC. And since he took over in 2019, the Dukes have averaged 37 points per game. They got a run-based scheme. I think they can, you know, score some points in this in this conference. So I have them circled as maybe, you know, an overbetter's dream early on as they try to work some things out. They got a lot of new faces on defense. Do you have any thoughts on James Madison, even if it's long-term, you know, where they fit into the pecking order? It's almost a shame that they have to, you know, join the East because there's already so many heavy hitters. If they were in the West, I mean, I would imagine they'd be competitive for a division title in year two at the very least. Um, but what are your thoughts on the Dukes? Yeah, I'm a little surprised that you said that. And it's in SP plus. Maybe I'm just wrong because I actually was going into it thinking their defense would be a little better than their offense and that they would transition easier, to be honest. I feel like their defense has been so dominant at the FCS that, I wouldn't be shocked if that transitions easier. I think losing Cole Johnson is huge. He's one of the best FCS quarterbacks we've seen. And I don't know, Santeo is, I don't know, whatever. So I, I'm a little <laughs> shaky on their offense. They're, they're another team where I, I just, there's too much unknown for me that I can't picture myself betting them a lot this year. I think they're kind of a, let's wait and see. I want to kind of see, you know, middle of Tennessee and Norfolk state are a nice couple easy. You know, they should win at least one of those. And then, you know, probably get smoked by App State. And then, you know, maybe Texas State is when I kind of start like, all right, let's see what this team's about. So they're a team I'm probably just going to sit back and watch for at least the first, you know, month or so of the season. Yeah, and I definitely, that's that's the way you have to approach a team that is moving on up. You know, first off, they're only playing 11 games. And then when I look at some of their projected point spreads, they're going to be massive favorites over Norfolk State. They're actually going to be double-digit favorites over Arkansas State and Texas State. So, I mean, there are wins available here. Uh, they're going to be in coin flips against, you know, Old Dominion. They're going to be away at Old Dominion. I project that around a pick. Uh, but then there's a lot of other coin flips on games on this, but they are going to serve as an underdog to App State, to Georgia State, uh, to Coastal. Uh, and then they're probably going to get ran uh, out the building against Louisville. So uh, there are spots to back them. Uh, I don't think, you know, I, the win total I have projected is 6.2. That seems pretty high for a team. Team. It's only playing 11 games coming into FBS. Uh, I don't trust their quarterback, who, uh, you know, Todd Centennial, who's coming in from Colorado State. So for me, this is going to be a week to week play and try to catch them where teams are completely overlooking the Dukes. All right. We're going to transition now to the West. And I would say we're going to focus a little bit more on the bottom half of this because there's really one team to win the West, and it's Louisiana. They're plus 350 to win the whole thing. Eight and a half wins as their win total, minus 130 juice to the over. 83rd projected uh, S&P plus offensive efficiency, 55th on defense, could be the best defense if everything comes together in the Sun Belt for them this season. Obviously, Billy Napier off to, you know, greener pastures down there in the swamp, coaching up the Florida Gators. 
Scared money don't make money, you know? That leaves Michael DeSormo. He's the new head coach. This potentially special defense. This is what I want to focus in on. Zion Hill anchoring the defensive line. They have quality players and playmakers at all three levels. But the super soft schedule for me is what potentially could hide their warts. And it's going to make it difficult to gauge how they're doing with without a quarterback who, I mean, if you told me Le- Levi Lewis played across three presidential terms, I would have believed you. Like the, the fact that I have to quickly do the math in my head, is it possible? He had been there for so long and taken such a high percentage of the snaps. Really, the only person left is Chris Smith, who's still awesome and has the potential to be a bell cow and to be kind of, you know, a Swiss army knife for them offensively. But outside of that, it's, it's really just a shame that the probably the second best team here in the division is Troy, because every part of me wants to say, this seems like a fall back to earth after a good four year run with new pieces on offense, a new leading man. But I just don't necessarily know if I have a horse in this race that I think is going to pass them. What are your thoughts on Louisiana? Am I being too harsh? Is this a team that's just established themselves from a recruiting perspective that they're just head and shoulders above everybody else in the West? I'll start with you, Colin. Yeah, no, I think I think you're on the right track. That's the track that I'm on. There's a huge discrepancy between, between where I project their win total versus where SP plus. SP plus is more around nine. I'm more around 7.2. And I just don't like the back teams early that lose almost their entire offensive line. Their, their percentage of offensive line snaps is just, you know, it, it completely uh, was drained. We're looking at a new quarterback here. The strength, you, you mentioned it, uh, Micah, the, the, the strength of this team is their defense, right? Outside of App State, this is the best defense in this in the Sun Belt. They finished top 25 in success rate. They were 18th in defensive finishing drives. And, hey, they like to cause a lot of havoc. I don't expect any of that to change. This coaching staff is, is going to do the same thing uh, that Billy Napier did. Uh, I don't think I'm allowed to say his name anymore. But uh, Coach Billy Napier moving on to Florida. But this coaching staff is going to do exactly what he had already put in. So, you know, I, don't ex- I expect the players to have a lot of familiarity. But I have issues with the offensive line. Uh, we don't have a quarterback there anymore that was making me lose a whole bunch of bets all the time. Uh, so just 37% returns on the offensive side, but I am definitely a win total under on this. It's so hard to guess their win total based on how I feel about the team because this schedule is an absolute joke. I mean, Southeast Louisiana, Eastern Michigan, Rice, ULM, that's their first four games. They're going to steamroll all four of those teams. I assume you have App State, Coastal, Georgia State, and Marshall all well ahead of them in your power rating. They lost their entire offensive line. They lost their quarterback. I'm with you. Sometimes you're like, I can't believe that guy's still there. I can't believe Levi Lewis isn't there. I feel like he just should just keep playing forever. They lost their linebackers. So their defense should be fine, but they did lose almost all their linebacking core. They lost their running backs. Napier took half their you know, position players to Florida with him. Uh, McCaskill left, left. He went in the portal. So I just, they're going to cakewalk to this, the division championship because it's just Wisconsin and the Big Ten West, and they're going to get probably pounded in the Sun Belt championship game. They're going to enter the season with the same power rating as Troy, and they're going to enter the season about five and a half, half points below App State. Here's a ceiling and a floor to your conference, and Louisiana has been eclipsing that ceiling for years, and at some point that's going to regress back to the conference, and that really goes by your recruiting, right? You can only get a certain kind of kid. And Calabrese is right when he says, hey, they've been bringing in a whole bunch of high-level recruits, but we do have a coaching regime. I don't know what you have on the offensive line. So I think being five and a half points less than App State, a proper place to put them to start this season. All right, let's see if we can talk ourselves into any other teams. I'm going to go with my favorite, what I like to refer to as a half team. Just think about the opposite of like Texas Tech during all those Mike Leach years where it's like great offense, lousy defense. Let's flip it around with Troy. They're 15 to one to win the belt, six for their win total, minus 120 to be over there. 
the projected S&P plus on offense, 116th. Defense, 48th. And here's the thing. The new head coach, he's all about defense. John Sumrall, former defensive coordinator at Kentucky. He's leading Troy now. They get nine returning starters on that side of the ball, including all-world linebacker Carlton Marshall. He has a chance, I believe, to break the NCAA record for tackles because he got an extra bonus here due to COVID. I'm interested if they can get anything more out of their offense because in terms of returning production experience, a lot of these guys have played together for a long time. Now, their new OC, Joe Craddock, was a tight ends coach at UAB recently, apparently coming out of spring ball. He wants to use tight ends more often, you know, kind of have more of a bully ball situation to pair with, with a stingy defense. I like that. I think the only direction is up for this offense. They were 109th in total offense last season. If the, Tro- if the Trojans can give us anything on that side of the ball, really signs of life, get into the 90s offensively, I think they're going to have a puncher's chance to, to give Louisiana trouble here and to pe- potentially pull out a division championship. At 15 to one, I'm not interested because even if that's the case, they get to the, the championship game, they're probably close to a touchdown underdog, regardless of who who's on the other side of it. Um, but I got to play over on the win total. I like Troy. I love the defense. I think they're going to be in a lot of games that potentially throws some variance up there for me, but I'd like to roll the dice. I think they could, you know, the high end of this win nine games, the low end, probably five and you know, kind of chalk it up to a bad offense. What are your thoughts on how I'm couching my expectations with Troy Colin? I think you're right on the mark. I will say this, Joe Craddock, before he was at UAB, was the Arkansas offensive coordinator uh, during the uh, the Chad Morris years. And uh, I can't even begin to tell you how bad of an offense that was uh, and how changes <laughs> after the first, second, third quarter never happened. Uh, yeah, so if we're looking for adjustments on the fly for Troy in the middle of a game and you think that this offense can magically come back, don't get caught up in live betting Troy to come back anytime this season. You're right. It is an offense that finished outside the top 100 and all the advanced analytics. At the same time, this defense returns 89% of their return of their returning production and their transfer portal pulls uh, from the past season. They were 20th in success rate. I don't expect that to change whatsoever with the head coaching hire. Uh, I am with you though. I I'm kind of bullish on their win total. I put them in at 7.2. Uh, I believe SP plus has them around 6.4. It's good enough for me to take an over here considering what the schedule is, but uh, offense makes me nervous. And I think that's really a rule of thumb with Troy here. If you're getting into live betting, all of us do. Do not think that Troy's going to come back in any of these games from an offensive perspective. Yeah, I, I had them as kind of a lean over, but not play it. Maybe you guys will talk me into it. I do love this defense. They'll probably be, you know, a pretty decent, like, under team. So that will Miss game is going to be pretty fun. Uh, but I'm probably staying away for now because there's another team in the West that I absolutely love. The remaining five teams here in the West, you can make an argument that they're all not good, but it's just a question of, is there a position you can take to make some money? Are there teams that could surprise on one side of the ball? I'm going to start with a team that I have no faith in, and I'm actually surprised that they are as high in some power rankings and media polls as they are. South Alabama, also 15 to one, also six wins in terms of their win total for the season. The projection here matches how I feel about their offense. 120th, according to S&P Plus. Major Applewhite could not turn these turn this around last year, and he had Jalen Tolbert. It's hard to overstate how special of a player he was and what he gave to them in terms of explosiveness. And when I look at the schedule, trips to Central Michigan early on, I see that as a loss. Trip to UCLA, loss. So a one and two start, I think, is going to doom them. I don't see anyone coming in to give them something different at quarterback. I'm out on South Alabama. I'm going to take advantage of them just kind of by default being considered the 2A or third best team in the West Division. What are your thoughts on this, Colin? 
My win total projection at 5.5, I think SP Plus is at 5.1. I just don't see any value in the market on this team whatsoever. It's definitely not one of the remaining teams that I'm taking to win this division. Yeah, this is one of those teams where it's important not to get fooled when you see that they're returning their whole offensive line because their offensive line was horrible. I think only like four teams in the country allowed more sacks, more tackles for loss. This is the one where I'm like, get them all out of here. Let's bring in some new guys. 120th in Havoc allowed, right? (laughs) Worst offensive line. That's like that, that, when you're look, when you're doing the, your preseason research, the first thing you do is who's returning. It's like, oh, they're returning their whole offensive line. Nope, that's not a good sign here. Um, you mentioned Jalen Tobert leaving. They also lose Jake Bentley, who, you know, I'm assuming he just transferred to another school and I have to figure out which one that was. <laughs> but they brought they brought in Carter Bradley from Toledo. I don't know. He was he was OK. Um, I think Desmond Trotter, who was their 2020 starter, is also in this quarterback competition. Um, they're another team like Troy who just cannot run the ball whatsoever. Their defense is good, but I'm with you guys. I'm I'm off on them. I you know I'm just gonna probably stay away. All right, let's go from a quote unquote bad team to another bad team that I'm excited about, and that's Southern Miss, 25 to one to win the Sun Belt. But I'm circling five and a half wins as their season total, 123rd projection in S and P plus. I don't care because they had so many quarterback injuries last year; it was ridiculous. With every option hurt last year, the last two games they end up playing like a hybrid wildcat situation. They win both. So they go into the offseason with a little bit of juice, a little bit of positivity, and now they get Ty Keys back, four starters on the offensive line, some interesting options at running back and experience there with Frank Gore Jr. And then they bring in the Juco sensation, Latrell Jones, at wide receiver on the perimeter. You add all of this in, and they're one of the few teams in the country, I think only 19 or 20 nationally, head coach, OC, DC, and quarterback all coming back if you count Ty Keys as officially coming back. I'm in on Southern Miss. I think that they can, you know, win some games, be competitive across the board in the Sun Belt West. And I'm excited that they're being viewed as kind of a middling team in the same breath as an Arkansas State. Absolutely not. We'll get to Arkansas State in a second. I got lots of bad things to say, but they should never be mentioned in the same sentence. What are your thoughts here, Colin? Oh, Southern Miss all the way. This is the team that is going to win this division. Go ahead and mark it down. I don't want to hear any Louisiana uh, nonsense, any white noise before the season gets kicked off. I don't think that you can properly handicap a team that had five quarterbacks and two interim coaches. I don't think that's ever happened in college football before. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> I mean, uh, some coaches are getting fired in October now before they make a bowl. We've got interim coaches that are fleeting before their interim time is up. So uh, Southern Miss just went through so much to where Frank Gore was taking snaps in the last two games of the season. Who they beat, you know, Louisiana Tech and FIU. They returned 87% on the offense, which is uh, second in the in the whole entire Sun Belt. They returned 86% on defense, second in the entire Sun Belt. And that defense was actually really good last year. They were 15th in defensive finishing drives. Teams got down, uh, opponent drives got into the red zone and they weren't able to get anything up on the board. That's going to stick and that's going to play out. And defensive finishing drives is the biggest indicator of covering games. So you don't have to twist my arm to take Southern Miss here until you show me the schedule, which, you know, I don't see App State on the schedule. I don't see Marshall on this schedule. I see getting Louisiana, the big division rival, on a Thursday night. That's a short week for them to go travel. This absolutely is my pick to win the division on Southern Miss. I'm not going to mess with the win total. I'm just going to believe they're going to get it done to play in the Sun Belt Championship game. Ianello, are you as bullish on the Eagles here? Let's hear it. Fly, Eagles fly, baby. All of us unite. I'm with you. Throw out last year. They were they lost their entire quarterback room. I'm all in on Tykees. I, you know, he was hurt week five last year, but this is a this is a kid that had SEC scholarship offers. He had Mr. Offers football to, in the state Mr. of football. Mississippi. Mr. Football. 
he had offers from Mississippi State and Ole Miss, turned them down. He had offers from Auburn. He had offers from Oregon, Nebraska. He picked Southern Miss. God knows why, but I'm happy he's here. Frank Gore Jr.'s back. Like you said, he was quarterback half the time, so now he can actually focus on running back. Jason Brownlee's back at receiver. Demarcus Jones is back at receiver. And what have we talked about with all these last teams? What do we talk about with Troy? What do we talk about South Alabama? A lot of the teams in the West cannot run the ball. Well, Southern Miss had the best passing defense in the entire conference last year, and they returned their whole secondary. Malik Shorts and Cam Harrell are nasty safeties. They're both back. So their strength is what everyone else is going to have to do against them. And yeah, Will Hall, you know, Will Hall, we loved him when he was at Tulane. He used to be, he was the OC at Tulane. That offense was awesome. You really couldn't tell anything from their season last year because they did not have a quarterback. So I'm all in on Southern Miss. I talked about how much I'm down on Louisiana. Every team we've gone through, you know, all these teams stink. So I like Southern Miss a lot. Um, I'm with you guys. I actually do like their win total. Um, and I also like them to win the division as well. All right. This next segment I'll refer to as the Saturday Night Live Cut for Time segment. We're going to go quickly through Arkansas State because I think we're of the same mind on them. 35 Under. to 1, five wins for their win total. Five. Oh, 110th projection on offense, 121st on defense. They returned just eight starters after a disastrous season under Butch Jones. I'm sure he's got all kinds of motivational ploys like that, you know, put the football in the garbage can and all that stuff. He came up with Tennessee that to my memory, totally worked. Tennessee got it turned around there. They can still throw the ball. That's fine. I, I, whoever ends up being the quarterback in that spot, Lane Hatcher ends up transferring out of the program, but this defense has an opportunity to be UConn level bad this season. Anything that I said, do you take any issue with that? Otherwise, let's just say under on the win. Yeah, I take an issue. I take on. an issue with you saying they can throw the ball. James Blackman might be a starting quarterback in the year 2022. They can't throw the ball. They stink. They're the worst team. I'm with Colin. Under five is my best bet in this conference. This yeah. team is so bad. Their defense is horrific. They might give up 50 points a game. And if you think James Blackman's going to be able to put up 50, good luck to you. I'm betting they're under. Let's just have a side bet, gentlemen. I'm going to set the over-under on October 15th before Mr. Butch Jones himself is an offensive analyst at Alabama. I'll say he's fired before October 15th. I, I like that. After uh, they lose to James Madison, is that what you're saying, Colin? They're, <laughs> they're going to lose to James Madison to follow 0-6, and, and you're like, nope, he's gone. Yep, he's gone. What is the first half team total for Ohio State? 45? All those points are going to get scored in the second quarter, too. I'm going to. Uh, it's got to be 38 and a half. 38 and a half, right? There won't be any field uh, that goals. Might not, that what that might I not be enough. I think we're going to have to go 42 and a half. We're going to go ahead now and close out with two teams that have a little bit more intrigue. Going to start with Texas State, 50 to one, four and a half is their win total, 106 projection on offense, 128th on defense. It's the Spivatol show. Jake is the head coach. Zach's the, the OC, or sorry, sorry, the DC. Four single digit losses in 2021. That's the headline. That's the silver lining. As far as I'm concerned, they won four games last year. They were in four others. They bring in Lane Hatcher, stealing him from Arkansas state. He certainly has had some success more under Anderson, obviously than Butch Jones, not going to hold that against him. But what's interesting to me, if you go ahead and play the over here, they're opening with a Nevada team. That's been totally raided, lost their coach in the off season. They get FIU who's in big trouble as well. And then Houston Baptist all in September. I can close my eyes and see 
winning those three games. And if you do, then it's how do you do in those one possession games against, you know, some of the dregs of the, the Sunbelt West the rest of the way. Where are you on, on Texas State? This is probably the last year of this experiment if you can't get to, let's say, 500. But uh, what do you think about Spavitol? Yeah, Spavitol came in uh, just hair on fire. I thought he was going to, you know, I think I believe a couple of years ago I did have a Texas State to win the Sunbelt at like 100 to 1 or something like that. Uh, so I do believe in him and as a coach. But uh, you know, bringing in Lane Hatcher, I think the biggest question that I have, because they return a lot, 90% of this offense comes back. That's from offensive line. That's from the wide receivers. So there is some, there is some talent here for Lane Hatcher to work with. And you mentioned three easy wins. I mean, Houston Baptist is not the same Houston Baptist that Bailey Zappi was at a couple of years ago, right? They, they, they've completely regressed back. Bailey Zappi. So I think there's three easy wins on here. And then when you look at that, the rest of that division, it's for the taking. I think the biggest question that I have is Lane Hatcher going to be able to play within the confines of the offense that it is that Spavadol wants to run because this is not Blake Anderson's offense whatsoever. I do like the win total. This is actually, I project this at six, and that is in strong, strong comparison against SP Plus, which I think is at 3.7. So I am going to play the over on this just because of the schedule, the division, the non conference. You have to play this. Well, I don't have to play it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not as high as on Colin as them. I'm not playing the over, but I would play it before I played the under. I do think they'll be better. Bringing in Hatcher, probably an upgrade over Brady McBride. For one of these like lower level G5 teams, their offense sneaky has a lot of depth. They have a ton of depth at receiver. They have pretty solid running back depth. Did not create any turnovers, which is a huge issue. I'll probably stay away from them, but I definitely think they'll be better than they were last year. All right, moving on, we made it to the last team here in the Sun Belt, and that's Louisiana Monroe. 100 to 1 to win, 2.5 for their win total, 128th projection on offense, 127th on defense. It may shock you to remember that this team started 4 and 3 last year and then dropped three single possession games down the stretch, but they do return 16 starters. Of them, Boogie Knight, great name, great player. But it's a new offensive coordinator and a new defensive coordinator for the third straight season. That's just really difficult. That's that's taking any enthusiasm I had kind of off the table. And then you flip open the magazine, you scroll over to their schedule at Texas, at Alabama, all in the first three weeks. I think they're going to get their you-know-what's pounded into the dirt. And after that, it's going to be difficult for them to get off the mat. So this is a pass for me on a team that has a lot of continuity coming back, but that coaching staff's trying to instill some new values, some new, you know, techniques, systems, everything else. I'm going to pass on the Warhawks here. What do you think, Colin? I, it's a win total projection that I have at one and a half. So it's hard for me to get excited about this team. And, and, and you know, the, what's funny, <laughs> I have to choose my words carefully. A lot of the talking heads that we see on TV, pick a team out like ULM, look at their win total and say, we got to go under. This team is terrible. And then, yeah, you're right. They've, you know, won four games early last year and blew everybody's ticket away. And you never heard anybody talk about that ever again. But in the case of this right now, you know, we do have a different scheme. I believe in Terry Bowden. I mean, he got Akron to a MAC championship, right? <laughs> so even with, a, I think, a quarterback like Cato Nelson, which is pretty impressive. So I do believe that Terry Bowden can make something out of nothing here. The problem is, is there is a really long journey to go here. We're talking the worst team in the nation in offensive success rate, one of the worst teams in the nation at scoring points when they draw uh, past the 40-yard line. And then the defense doesn't return – almost anything from last year they had problems in that area too so uh when i look at you know if i project this at one and a half and we've got a win total above that where are you going to get this third win right Nichols is on the schedule uh army's on this schedule you're not winning that game on a back-to-back -back road trip 
Uh, you're going to get a bye week and head into Texas State. And the problem is, is you're going to have to lean into your conference to get these wins because you're not going to beat Texas and you're not going to beat Alabama. So I'm not one of these guys that's going to tell everybody to take the under here and it's the easiest play in the world. But I don't see where they – I don't see even remotely how they how they can even get to probably two wins on the schedule. It's a brutal non-conference play, and that's where you got to make your money. Yeah, just quickly in terms of, you know, a glimmer of hope as well. You know, they bring back the former offensive coordinator, Matt Kubik, and he was able to work some magic with Caleb Evans. He kind of turned him into statistically at least like a, a top 30, top 40 kind of quarterback. We're not talking about – threatening for bowl eligibility here it's more for competency so he's at least done it in the past that's the that's the last positive thing i'll say for any warhawk fans out there i just want to make sure that we're not totally raining on your parade before a two intense season gets kicked off they do have a, a decent defensive coordinator in Vic Conning, but the problem is i think he got fired for some comments that he made at west virginia so he can coach just got to put some duct tape on his mouth i'm not playing them by the way i'm i'm, I'm another stay away I do like Terry Bowden too. They were the least penalized team in the country in 2021. Maybe that's because the defense wasn't close enough to hold anybody, but that's a good sign. They were disciplined. All right. Before we get out of here, a reminder to our audience that all of the group of five content is going to be dropping by August 8th. So that's every single conference covered in depth as we are here. We're going to go with the quick lightning rounds, your favorite bet, your best bet here and your favorites future to win the Sunbelt outright. I'm going to go ahead and start. I talked it up. I'm going to hold my nose when Troy has the ball offensively and hope that that defense can carry me across that six-win threshold. And then in terms of the Sunbelt Championship, I'm going to shop around. It sounds like Ionello found 11-2 to on Marshall. Going to go ahead there. Hope that Henry Columbia can be my, man, this is hard to say, a poor man's Chase Bryce. Just, just give me some B to B-plus quarterback play. And I think everywhere else, they have enough to get it done. And they're fan base is going to be on fire this year to be immediately inserted into a conference with some former FCS foes with a chance to win right away. I can go with the thundering herd. That's my two pack of picks. Let's go with you. Ionella. What do you got? Yeah. Um, my, my feature is also Marshall to win the Sun Belt. Um, I'm all in on, on the thundering herd. Um, I'm hoping Colin goes Georgia state for his best win total. So I don't have to take him, but cause I do love that. So assuming he takes Georgia state over, I'm going to go with the Arkansas state under I don't know how this team gets five wins. It, it, I look, DraftKings has a flat five. I don't know if you guys have seen it anywhere else differently. They're certainly not getting six wins. So that's a push at the worst. There's no way this team is bowling. So give me Arkansas State under five is my best bet. Yeah, it would be a disservice if we didn't tell people that a best bet was uh, under Arkansas State. I'll be, you know, I'll be on that myself. Uh, as far as my best bets go, you know, let's let's start in the East here. I'm gonna, I'm absolutely taking Georgia State on the over here. That's a dangerous team. Uh, they've beaten Power Five teams before. I'm going to be looking for them on the money line in several occasions. But I'm going to stick with the win total and not on the division futures because of how their schedule lines up. The team I am going to play is going to be Old Dominion, uh, 25 to one. I think that's got legs to run all day. It really should be more properly priced around eight to one to win the division. They should be more properly priced around 15 to one to win the Sun Belt. Uh, so I would play it to those numbers because I think I've already seen it move overnight. I think once this podcast comes out, it might move some more. So stop buying at eight to one for the division. Stop buying at 15 to one for the conference. Uh, switching to the other side, I completely agree with Ionello and Arkansas, Arkansas State and the under, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say Louisiana under on their win total. I'm just not as high. I, I know that the coaching staff is going to do what Billy Napier wanted, but I am a big believer when you've lost it in the trench, especially on the offensive trench, 
it just throws everything else off. You don't know how good your quarterback is when he's scrambling and he's got to throw in a, in a crowded pocket. I'm going to go with Louisiana on the team total on their under. Southern Miss all the way. Uh, they're my pick to win the division in the West. If you're feeling a little froggy and you see that 40 to 1 out there on them to win the Sun Belt, why not? Pairing it up with your old Dominion might not be such a bad idea, but I do love Southern Miss in that West division. So this has been the Group of Five Deep Dive. We're on the tarmac. The season's about to start. The stewardesses let us know that we need to strap in our fun belts. We've done that. We're going to fly out to the thin air of the Mountain West out in the Rockies, cover them next. Very excited for that. For Colin Wilson and Mike Ionello, I'm Mike Calabrese. This has been an Action Network production. Thank you so much for listening.